My Car Guru, Season 12, Episode 12. And what a pleasant ride I intend for this to be for you. Going easy on the curves. My wife always tells me that one. Uh, not going to be herky-jerky. Going to drive with one foot on the pedals. Are you a two-foot driver? My mother-in-law was. First time I ever actually rode with a two-foot driver. You know, that where they use the left foot for the brake and the right foot for the gas. You know, when you're driving a manual, you have to drive with two feet because you got three pedals. But, you know, with you do know this, right? I don't want to offend anybody. The left foot is not for braking. It's just for just kind of laying there. So a lot of people don't agree with that, but that's, and maybe even some race car drivers don't agree with that. But for the vast majority of folks, that's what they learned in driver's ed. So I intend to keep this pleasant. Oh, uh, also, do you have your seatbelt on? Do you wear your seatbelt? I remember I used to call my son sometimes on the phone, and I'd hear in the background, ding, ding, ding. Blaine, uh, do you have your seatbelt on? Uh, no. Put your seatbelt on. You know, that's just... Uh, it was just always a part of my family. My dad in the 50s when he used to buy new cars or, or his dad would help him get a new car, first thing he'd do is put in seat belts. You know why? Because the first car that his dad ever got for him was a DeSoto. I think it was a 1949 DeSoto. Many people are saying, what's a DeSoto? Well, it was a Chrysler product. Well, he was driving near Princeton, West Virginia, coming down this big hill, and he lost control, apparently going too fast, and he hit a road grader. You would think that that would uh, end him, but it ended the road grader. He always bragged about the fact that he totaled a road grader. He also totaled his DeSoto. And uh, basically his only injury since he had his seatbelts on was, was that he had a sore foot because it the accident somehow miraculously tore the sole off of his right shoe. He never could explain that to his young boys how that exactly that happened. But yeah, I want you all wearing seatbelts because we're going to be talking about some dynamite stuff today. First thing in the car news, that the whole EV push, electric vehicle push, is dying on the vine right now. The media has turned sour on it. Even the... the um, Liberal media sources are saying, you know, maybe we pushed this a little bit too hard too soon. And that's exactly what has happened. Uh, we're still selling one occasionally, you know, uh, an EV. And I love driving mine, as I say. But uh, there's too many obstacles right now. And people are just getting a little, as they say around here, getting a little sour on it. And for a lot of people, it's a political thing. Seems like a lot of stuff is political now that, that used to just be daily living, you know, but everything is, uh, is charged up right now. So anyway, we don't have to deal with that. We do have to deal with the government though. Um, federal trade commission. That's one of the things I want to talk about today. Combating retail scam or sorry, combating auto retail scams. Uh, it's a new regulation from the, uh, FTC federal trade commission. Uh, the acronym is CARS. I bet that was intentional, don't you? Well, this new rule is absolutely going to take effect on July 30th of 2024. And it will absolutely change 
a lot of people's car buying experience. You're going to be asked to do several different things that you've never had to do before. But it's all in the interest of full disclosure. You know, one of the things that you will notice, hopefully, I mean, there are always dealers that are willing to go against the the rules for the sake of profit. And uh, the problem with them now, or after July 30th, is going to be the penalties are going to be huge. And it, it's long overdue in certain aspects. The advertising rules that they are have come up with have been in place in individual states through either the Motor Vehicle Commission, state law. Uh, I keep saying Motor Vehicle Commission, but that's just a, a division of the Department of Commerce in the state of Tennessee. But every state has laws that, that guide the behaviors, or are supposed to guide the behaviors, of car dealers, whether they're new car dealers like me or used car dealers, and they're designed to protect the public. But the problem is, uh, in a lot of states, there's just no teeth, uh, there's no enforcement, and so the dealers just ignore them. They ignore the laws. Now, I've called out several before. I got called out once myself for not putting stock numbers in ads. It was many years ago, and uh, they were just crazy enforcing back then. That's probably 25 years ago, and I ran an ad in the uh, Kingsport Times News back. Uh, that's a, a newspaper in the Tri-Cities here. And uh, it uh, had it was full of cars. probably had 40 cars in it, and two of them didn't have stock numbers. It was an oversight on my part. I got fined $1,000 a piece for those two missing stock numbers. That's going a little bit over the top, don't you think? But now, if I were to run an ad saying that you could buy a car for, I don't know, $25,000, and you came into the dealership and you said, I want that car. That's $25,000. Here's the stock number. And he looks it up and he says, well, it's $25,000. Plus, if you didn't read the disclaimer, we have a, a $3,450 market value adjustment that we have to put on top of that. Oh, and also, we have a, a $900 documentary fee that you have to do. And plus, you only get that deal if you finance it through us and buy gap insurance. So if that happened to me, it would be hard for me to restrain myself, but I would. I would get up and say, you know, I'm just going to leave now. Let's just not say anything else. I'm going to go to my car. Don't follow me hollering. Don't send anybody after me because I'm leaving. Would you do that? Well, a lot of people didn't, and they got taken advantage of, and they filed all kinds of complaints on Google, and they filed complaints with the Federal Trade Commission and state agencies. Finally, somebody put together a board, uh, or, a, or I guess a regulation board is what you would call it. Maybe it was just a committee in the Federal Trade Commission. Probably somebody who got taken advantage of, and then they got their friends involved that also work at the Federal Trade Commission, and so they came up with a whole bunch of rules. And uh, I, like I said, I, I do appreciate the advertising rules that they're putting out there. If somebody puts an ad out there for a price for a car, they should, you should be able to buy it for that. There shouldn't be any, any fine print. I mean, if there's any kind of confusion, 
It's because the dealer didn't put the fine print right there where the price is. The problem with a lot of websites that there's, if you go to a dealer's website and you click on a vehicle, let's say it's a Nissan Kicks, and you click on it, and it brings up what we call the vehicle data page, VDP. And so when you look at that, it shows more detail information. If you scroll all the way down to the very bottom, there's typically a disclaimer there. Now, most dealers, like me, have a very short little disclaimer. Um, it's just, you know, to cover us for weird things. Uh, for example, well, it's not that weird. You know, like that the price does not include sales tax. Um, that the price does not include, you know, registration, that kind of stuff. But it should include everything else, shouldn't it? So the state of Tennessee says you're supposed to include processing fees, dock fees, whatever you want to call them, in the sale price that you quote. We do. But there's a whole lot more dealers that don't. So if you go to the dealership, you scroll all the way down, you'll see all kinds of little ads that go into that price. Well, that's just not fair. And it's deceptive. And it's anti-competitive because it makes us look bad. And if a dealer makes claims, you know, that they're going to pay you, you know, $10,000 over book value for your trade, and they don't, the FTC is going to come in and said, say, naughty boy or girl. And they're going to penalize them. They're going to fine them. And I'm happy about that. But we'll get into some of the, the few other things that are going to affect your purchase experience. Let's say you do see an ad and you really like it. You go in to buy the car. Several other things have to happen during the purchase experience that you're not used to. And will really some of them will be very cumbersome for car dealers, but they need to be. They really do. You know, there's a lot of dealers that do it right, but there's a lot more that, that don't, and they break law, different types of laws and stuff. And Some of the laws are not like state laws or county laws or something like that. They're ethical laws. You know, those ethical laws... Where are they written down? Well, hopefully you learned them from your parents or a church or, you know, from good teachers. And you, as you go through life, you learn that there are certain things that you do with people and, and certain things you don't. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to those ethical laws these days. But we'll get into that here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. You know, if you advertise a price for a car. Uh, the FTC is calling it the offering price as of July 30th. You have to be prepared to sell the vehicle at that price. Any additional products or services like extended service agreements, that would be an extended warranty, gap protection, uh, maintenance plans, other types of protection plans. They must be disclosed as additions to the price. Now, here's how the crooked dealer does it. He Closes you on the monthly payment. He's not really talking about the price. He's talking about the monthly payment. You got to talk about both. You got to show both. And that has to be a base base payment with nothing in it. So what the crooked dealer does is he he crams a bunch of stuff into the payment, includes it in the payment. So the payment that would have been three fifty a month, when he quotes it to you, it's four fifty a month. And you think that's just for the car. No, no, no. That's got an extended warranty in it. That's got gap protection in it. That's got a whole bunch of stuff in it that you didn't even know you were buying until you get into the finance office. And then that really nice guy in the finance office, he explains all the things that you are getting. Well, sometimes they explain it. If they think you're happy with the payment, 
some of them don't explain anything. They just print out all the paperwork, have you sign it, which you're not reading it, cram it into a folder or put it on a, uh, a memory stick, and then send you on your way. And you, th- you think you're paying 450 a month for a car and tax and tags and stuff like that. No, you bought a $3,500 extended warranty. You bought $1,000 worth of gap insurance. You bought something that protects your wheels and tires and stuff like that for $8.95. You paid way overpaid for a maintenance plan. You could have bought the oil changes one at a time and tire rotations and stuff a whole lot cheaper if you just paid for them one at a time. But he sold you a package that you didn't know you were buying. Well, under the CARS rule, they can't do that anymore. I don't know if dealers are going to stop because of this. It's going to take a really big case of somebody getting big fines to get folks to behave. But what's supposed to happen is all of that stuff is supposed to be disclosed up front before you go into the office to sign any paperwork. Uh, The FTC, they view add-ons differently than a lot of uh, people do. They they think everything's basically a junk fee. That's what they're calling them. And they're not. You know, we've talked a lot about the value of warranties. I mean, I, we had one last week where a customer got an engine paid for. The engine shouldn't have failed. I mean, it was pretty close to, it wasn't even our brand, but they brought it to us to work on it. And uh, But they had a service contract through um, Honda. And it, co- and it was actually through Honda uh, Motor Company. And so they paid for a new engine. They, I said, why don't you? You know, don't you want to take it to the uh, Honda store? No, we, we want you to fix it. So we did and fixed it under under the maintenance agreement. It was like uh, $8,000 total. They paid a $100 deductible and they were done. Can you see the value in that? You know, for somebody who, you know, have a hard time coming up with $8,000, I can see a lot of value in that. But you have to know that you're buying it, Right. One other area that they're looking at is on used cars. It's become a trend in recent years that dealers will sell a used car, and then they'll charge somebody uh, to call it a certified used car. So if you want it to be certified, you have to pay this extra. I said, well, wait a minute. The ad that I saw said that all your cars are certified. Well, okay, this, this went through the certification process but we have to charge this certification fee in order for you to get the benefits of the certification. What? Yeah, that's what's happening in many cases, and the FTC is cracking down on that as well. So you shouldn't have to pay a fee, you know, unless it's a documentary fee or a processing fee that the dealer discloses up front and includes in the sale price. And some of those are really high. I mean, in larger cities, we're seeing $1,500 to $1,600 in just processing fees. Around here, Upper East Tennessee, it's anywhere from five to eight or nine hundred dollars. I saw one the other day is eight ninety nine. What's that? Well, most of them will tell you, well, it's it's uh, let's see. What is that? That is for processing processing your paperwork, you know, driving down to the courthouse to get your tags and I'll drive down to the courthouse. No, we gotta do it. And uh you know, instead of really saying what it is, which is extra margin. It's just how dealers make extra profit. And, um, you know, that's what it is. 
Is profit a bad thing? No. You know, if dealers have to give everything away, a real competitive market, they can't make any money, the manufacturers are cutting their margins. You know, it's it's a they they've got to figure out some way to have to make a profit on a car. Now I know that you know, some people out there get little violin saying, "Well, car dealers make big money." Sometimes they do. Most of the time we do, but isn't that what we're in business for? Is to make money. To make a return for our shareholders, just like Disney or bad example, or um, Walmart or Target or any any large company. You know, if it's trading on the uh, on the stock exchange, you know what drives the stock up or drives it down is how much profit they're making. And many people who own stock and in their four hundred one ks and so forth, they want those companies to be very profitable. I want Apple to be very profitable because I've got a lot of Apple stock. And when they're profitable and their products are selling, then my stock is going up in value. Well, a car dealership or a restaurant or any other businesses, same thing. I mean, they 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 need to make a profit. That's what they're there for, so that they can pay taxes and pay their employees and and have something left at the end, you know, for their families. So, okay, I'll take my last break and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, another thing is the FTC is really, really concerned about the protection of consumers' identity information. And so what happens to a credit report after one is taken? You know, if they write down all your income information, Social Security number and date of birth and your house and how much your mortgage is and where you bank, uh, who do you want seeing that? Well, I don't want anybody seeing it, but... It has to be entered into the computer system, and then what happens to it? Well, it should get shredded or stored in a vault. You know, we're required to keep documentation for seven years in our dealership. But, I mean, you would have to go, you'd have to know a lot of codes and have two keys to be able to get to your information at Gateway. We built a very secure room when we built our new building in 2007, but a lot of dealerships aren't that way. I mean, they got customer file. They got actually file cabinets in their showroom. What's that for? Well, that's where we put our credit apps. Well, that's not good. So how is the FTC going to enforce this? Well, what they're saying and what they normally do is they send investigators and they send undercover people to do the investigations. And they record stuff. So... You know, I've seen several. There was a, a large dealer group that got in deep hot water and had to pay millions of dollars in fines. And I could say the name of the dealer group right now because they're still in existence. They were on 60 Minutes. And so uh, they got in, in serious trouble and had to pay these fines because of what I was talking to you about earlier, payment packing and their non-disclosure of stuff. Now, how did they get caught? Well, that was an attorney general that got them in their state, and it blew up. But now it's going to be the Federal Trade Commission. And, you know, I don't think it's like the IRS that, that, well, they were going to get a whole bunch of new agents. I don't know how many agents there are in Federal Trade Commission. But they're, when, they, when this thing gets announced, they're going to come down hard. And we're supposed to keep all the records for 20. We actually have to keep every advertisement for 24 months so that they can swoop in anytime and check our records. 
So it's going to be pretty cumbersome for car dealers, but I think for the most part, it's good for the consumer. It's a lot of stuff that I've been wanting to see happen in our state through the Department of Commerce that just didn't happen. You know who sits on the Motor Vehicle Commission? Car dealers. Now, I think some car dealers should be on the Motor Vehicle Commission, but I don't think it should be all car dealers. I think it you should have some, you know, some bankers and lawyers and school teachers and other people there that can look at this business and say, you know, that that may look good to a car dealer, but that looks pretty crappy to me as a school teacher. So I don't think that's a, a bad thing. So anyway, July 30th, the world will be fixed when it comes to buying a car. We can only keep our fingers crossed and hope that's the case. So if uh, in the meantime, if you need some advice about buying a car, selling a car, trading one, uh, getting automotive service, you got a big dilemma with a blown engine and you don't know how to handle it. You just don't know whether to trade the car as is or fix it and then trade it. Um, you know, the dollars and the cents don't make sense to you. They they probably will make sense to me, and that's why you need to give me a call. 423-552-2020. Send me a text or an email to LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com, and I'll put you on the path to financial success in your car life. And I'll see you next time.